All right. If you're listening online, we are Little Sandy Baptist Church, worshiping our wonderful Lord and Savior Jesus. And this morning we want to talk about some words that he spoke. Philip asked for the group, really, show us the Father. Can I just tell you, if when they saw Jesus, they saw the Father, for they are intricately, perfectly the same. And so in, in that regard, if you've seen Jesus, you saw the Father, for Jesus is God. And so if you're following along, I'm going to read along as I read, follow along as I read. John chapter 14, verse 7, if you had known me, you, had, would, you should have known my Father also, and from henceforth you know him and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us, or satisfies us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, Philip, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father, and how sayest thou then that show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works' sake. Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. See, that's the purpose right there. We forget that, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. That's why this whatsoever ye ask. If ye ask anything in my name, I will do it. If ye love me, keep my commandments. Let's pray together. And dear Father, I pray that you bless the reading of your word to our hearts and minds. May I say nothing amiss. Forgive me of sin. Empty myself. Please fill me with your spirit this day. May we see clearly again that you are who you say you are, the very Son of God. You and the Father are, are one, Holy Spirit, the triune God, perfect, in perfect symmetry and harmony working together. Lord, bless our time. Bless those teaching downstairs. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. First of all, we see the request then. We see the request in 7. If, uh, if you had known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth, you know, you know him and have seen him. And then show us the Father. Jesus, show us the Father, please. They have seen the Father. In other words, they, he, they really should not have asked the Lord about this. I think this is a disappointing question to Jesus. And it shows a lack of understanding on the disciples' part. Jesus had been with them all this time, had shown the miracles, had shown the works, and then now show us the Father. He is a perfect representation. If you would, I just saw there, Wall Street Journal has a thing where you can sign on to maybe win a 3D printer. I'm not sure how a 3D printer works. I'm telling you, though, you want to see a 3D, who God is? It's Jesus. He's alive in full color, full representation. He is the... He's the die impress. He's the image, very image of God. Show us the Father. They have seen the Father. If you had known me, there are four no's in the Gospel of John, four different uses. There's the no of fact. Secondly, is to understand the truth behind that fact. I am a sinner. I'm a sinner because I sin because I am a sinner. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's the two no parts. The third one is a relationship. People may know the first that there is a sinner and why they are a sinner, but they don't receive Christ as Savior. That's the next, the relationship part. And then the fourth no is that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. That's the fourth, that really good no. The word is gnosko here, to know. If you had known me, you should have known my, you should have known my father also. Many times the Lord spoke to him about the father. He delighted in this novel name for God throughout the Old Testament. 
The name of God was very revered. I wish it was revered like it was in the Old Testament in many regards today as it was then. We should not take the Lord's name in vain. We spent last Sunday evening talking about honoring God's name. I trust this week you've not lapsed back into old habits and started using his name in a wrong way or even allowed your language. It's interesting, uh, salty as a sailor. I guess, I don't know sailors. I know Pastor Wayne was a sailor. I don't think his language changed when he was sailor. I think he was a, a clean-mouthed man as a sailor, clean-mouthed man as a pastor. But our language as Christians should not be salty. Someone just asked their husband yesterday, I was working beside him, and they said, uh, oh, did you not, did you, did you, when you hurt your finger, did you not, you didn't cuss, did you? I said, you don't have to worry about him. It's the pastor you got to worry about. But it shouldn't be that way, should it? I was teasing. I was teasing. It shouldn't be that way. We are, to, to know the Savior is to know the Father. Now, it's more than the Elohim in the beginning God created. It's more than that creative power. It's more than the Adonai, the command, uh, uh, the requirement, to, the sovereign Lord, Adonai, the owner of the universe. He's the Father, a Father of comfort, a Father of compassion. Sometimes I will text you, perhaps you've got one for me, I will talk to the Father for you. And you know when I capital F who I'm talking about. It's our Heavenly Father. I will talk to the Heavenly Father about you and your needs. John's Gospel uses the word Father in various expressions 156 times. That's a lot for one Gospel, for one book. Philip says in verse 8 unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Philip had not perceived yet. And by the way, what is the pronoun, the last word of verse 8? Is it me? Or is it us? It's us. Sometimes, well, you ask him. No, you ask him. No, you ask him. No, you, you ask him. You, you, no. Okay, I'll do it. And that's the, I, it's not, that's more maybe, how do you know? I'm not sure exactly it happened that way. But he does say it suffices us. Remember at the upper room, just the same night. John, you, you ask him. John, you ask John, you ask him. Philip, you ask him. Show us the Father. You're going to the Father, show us the Father. Thomas had, had asked the question previously, verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we know not whether thou goest, and how can we know the way? Thomas was one who had to see with his eyes in many regards. Perhaps Philip was asking for something like a vision like uh, Samson's parents had, or perhaps like Moses had, or perhaps like Isaiah in chapter 6. Show us the Father, and we'll be satisfied Disappointing, I would think. Perhaps he was craving something tangible like other religions have, like perhaps a journey to Mecca or to watch in the Ganges River in India or to crawl up Pilate's steps on your knees, those 26, I think it's 26, six steps to, to prove and to receive some kind, of, some kind of good feeling because you've done some kind of work. Be done with works. It's all of grace. All of grace. None of your works can help at all. By the way, that is a slap in the face to God to say that you can somehow work your way to heaven when he died on Calvary for you and paid the price. Jesus paid it all. Tetelestai in the Greek um, from the cross. It is finished. It's finished. We're in a home painting project that has expanded beyond belief. And uh, thankful for, I'm thankful for the helpers we have. Uh, but I just said yesterday, I think it was, we're planning on being done Christmas. We thought initially Christmas of 22. I said Christmas of 25. We will finally, <laughs> finally be done. I hope it's before then. I just really am hoping. And bring, or I'll be in the 
I'll be in the funny farm, if you know what that is, the funny farm. But this craving to something of God now is, is really, God did not indulge it. A little bit he did in the Old Testament time, there was a sacrificial system. There are people today craving to see. Why do you think people, the Shroud of Turan is perhaps the most uh, well-known icon, if you would, of, of a supposed, the supposed sheet that covered Christ? There's, why, why are there like 14 apostles or 18 apostles buried in Germany? Because they, they want something tangible. I tell you, if we had an original autograph, the original book that John wrote on the scroll of this gospel through the Holy Spirit's inspiration, we could build a building and we could put it under solid bulletproof glass and people would stream by every day, every single day of the year and pay money. They, we could probably start charging like, I'd say, maybe 20 bucks. I would pay, I tell you what, if you had a, I'd pay 50 bucks to see an original autograph of, of any of the books. We don't have the original autograph, but we have God's preservation power. To, we do have the, what they wrote, though. Do you see why we don't have any? We would immediately make it an idol. If we can make it out of the hair of Thomas's beard, if we can make an idol out of that, I'm telling you, we can make an idol out of an original. I have, I, I've shown people before, but I have, I have an original autograph of a, uh, uh, my wonderful wife gave me on May the 4th, of ni- 14th of 95. This is the original autograph. It's the exact paper she wrote on her handwriting. It's not a copy. We don't have any of these per se of the scriptural books, but what we do have is God's miraculous preservation power and authenticity. They are God's word to mankind today. That's a long study, by the way, when you want to study the but I can tell you, every time you get into it, you find out God's word is just as true as it was when you started. He did it all. He wrote it all for our wonderful, our wonderful father did for us. So that was the request, show us the Father. Second is the reply. The truth is stated in 9. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long with you, and ye have yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. How sayest thou then, show us the Father? In other words, he told Philip, there's no difference between himself and God. Do you see that? Jesus is saying, if you have seen God, well, you've seen me, you've seen God. There's no difference between the Father and me. They work in perfect, seamless harmony. They work together. If you were to, it's hard for us to understand. If you were to extend our idea of, of mind and thinking, uh, ability to think into infinity, we might conceive God that way. But when we extend our, our thinking into eternity, there's very possibly it's going to be a wrong kind of thinking. If we extend our own method of loving into eternity, there could very well be not, not the right kind of love several years down the road. But when you extend Jesus, came, and when you extend it into eternity, you know, it's God. He's, he's God perfect. He's all the time. He's that. No matter how far you go, the perfect human being, Jesus was that. You cannot find a fault matter fact. His enemies had to trump up any, no pun intended, he had to manufacture any kind of bad things to say about him. It was all a lie. Even Pilate, Three times. I find no fault in him. This man's innocent. I know exactly how he said it. But that's, yeah, three, you know, I, I want some relief from this. Can we just turn him free? No, crucify him. I, he's innocent. Crucify He's innocent. Crucify him. Have I been so long with you, Philip? And have you not grasped that? Wonderful lesson this morning in Sunday school about the privilege of service. We have a privilege that God would partner with us in his ministry? We should, why are we not involved? 
we are so busy. That one quote, I wrote it down. I can't remember exactly what that guy said from France. But we're so, I, I have found the, and the things that are enjoyable more important than the things that are sacrificial. Does that not describe American Christianity today? We have found the things enjoyable more important than the things sacrificial. When's the last time you and I actually sacrificed? Perhaps it was yesterday. I'm not talking to you then. When's the last time somebody you've actually sacrificed for somebody else? When is it? Partnering with God is a privilege. So the truth stated, and the truth was supported in verse 10. Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, singular there, the words that I speak unto you. Uh, then we have learned, if you study a little bit about the grammar, you is plural. Where I speak unto you, I speak, it would, uh, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me, plural, that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Talking to the whole group, not just Philip now. Believe me. The construction of the question in 14.10 indicates the Lord expected a yes answer. Believest thou that I am in the Father and the Father in me? Yes, we do believe that. Well, then if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus said to Philip that what he said was just what the Father said, no more, no less. What he did was just what the Father did, no more, no less. What he was was just what the Father was, no more, no less. In other words, through his sinless, perfect humanity, says Phillips, the disciples could see deity. They could see the Father in action in the Son. They could know what the Father was like because they knew what Jesus was like. And I tell you this morning, it is behooved upon us. It is put upon us as Christians. You want to know what Christianity should look like? People are looking at you. And people are looking at me. And you may not want it to be that way, but they're going to judge Christianity on what you are like. And if what you are like is not right, they're not going to listen hardly a bit to what you say. So if you want to have a witness, which we all should be witnessing, however, God opens opportunities every day looking for places to share the gospel or to at least tell other people about who created the whatever God allows you to do. But your life has to be in tune. Or you're going to play a discordant melody for the world to see and hear. They could hear the Father in everything that Jesus said. They could see the Father in everything that Jesus did. They could know the Father because they knew the Son. What Jesus was, God was. If you want to claim to deity, it, is, it hits us in the face almost every Sunday of late. <laughs> we're, the, we're one and the same. I and my Father are one. Was that John 3.30? On somewhere in that neighborhood, I and the Father are one. His works from a moment, but not only that, the works that he was doing moment by moment was what God wanted him to do. The request, the reply, then there was a result, starting in verse 12. And the terms of Christian life are effective practice. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, verse 12, the works that I do shall he do also. And the greater works than these shall he do because I go unto my Father. The apostles then approved these words true on the day of Pentecost when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 people heard the gospel in their own language, and you need to understand there will be those who tell you, no, God gave the people who are listening the Spirit to hear in their own language, but they were preaching in the language they knew. No, do you understand? A spiritual gift must be given to a person who has the Spirit indwelling them. 
the Pentecostal movement will say, oh no, pastor, what happened was when the disciples preached in their Cal- Cal- uh, what would be Greek language, whatever they were using at that point, Aramaic language, all the people, though, heard not what the Bible says. The Bible says they had the gift of tongues, known languages. Peter perhaps spoke in uh, Arabic, whatever it was. The people were listening there. And he spoke the gospel in that language. That's what the gift of tongues was. It was not a gift of hearing. Do you understand that? Spiritual gifts are given to people who have the spirit. I had a guy stand, when I was working at Martin Steele, he came in, well, you know what they're going to say to you is, Tim, they're going to say, well, they heard in their own language. I say, no. Doesn't the Bible say the spiritual gifts are given to only those who have the spirit? Yes, it says that. By the way, there's no, there's no, church in the world today that has the gifts of the early church. I really believe that. We'll talk about that more in just a minute. I don't say that very often because you're wondering, because when I say more in just a minute, you're saying, well, I know before the end comes, he's got to talk about that. So we're not even close to the end yet because he talks. So that's why I don't say that very often because we know he's not done. He's not even close. To, I really, 1202 to 1204, that's, you can count on it. That's when we're stopping. Okay, so we don't have to worry about those things. Man, how long is it going to be? He's going to speak. He'll preach about that later. The fact of practice, greater works. I, I'm just being honest with you. That's how I think when I'm listening to a sermon. It's not mine. You're like, well, wow, don't talk about that again. I've got five things now. He's got to bring up again. How long is the sermon going to be? I'm not doing it too often. Your faith, but remember now, the apostles in Acts four eight four, their faith was spoken throughout the world. Now, this moreover, does, he, do you not, does that not strike? What's he talking about here? I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I shall do, he do also, he do also, and greater works than these shall he do. <gasps> greater works than Jesus? What, what does that mean? Well, we're going to talk about it next. Hold your, hold your hat on here. The greater, I think it's spiritual in nature, and you'll listen to we'll understand why I say that. You know, it's a miracle to open the blind man's eyes. I think it's a greater miracle, though, for a man to receive Christ as Savior and have eternal salvation. Brother Fox, in our hymnal, somewhere around, the miracle I've seen. Now that's what he's talking about. I never saw Jesus feed 5,000, but I know he saved my soul. It's a miracle when God healed the, the leper, when he healed the, le- the deaf man, when he healed the lame man, when he healed all these people. It was a miracle, but I think a greater miracle is when someone received Christ as their very own personal Lord and Savior. All the deaf died, all the lepers died, eventually all the blind died. Everyone I'm single eventually passed on from this life. But I'm telling you, when you give them spiritual life, it's a greater, a greater miracle than that. Jesus' works included his miracles, but extend to all those he taught and did in obedience to the Father. He did, but he, he, he sums up his ministry when he says this, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. He finished his work. But now, if doing the works of Jesus, what he did, are even greater works than that, then it seemed then... If you read it for what and don't understand what he's saying here, you're going to say, well, that would include then all the miracles that he's done. We should be doing greater miracles than that. However, the clue is right there for us. We find that we find that he's going to do this in chapter 14. Because, verse 12, I go to unto my father. That's why we're going to greater works. I go unto the father. 
He promised after his return, he's going to send what? In this same chapter, next time, the Holy Spirit's going to come. And by the way, if you know Christ as Savior, he indwells you. The Holy Spirit indwells you even this very moment. He does. He will send the Holy Spirit. But does that mean that, that we should be doing greater miracles than Jesus did? Well, John Wimber of, uh, of, of Midwest started the Vineyard Christian Fellowship Churches believing that we should do greater miracles. But when his good friend David Watson died of cancer in the early 50s, and he himself died, uh, even though he was praying in faith that he would be healed, and he himself died of a heart disease in the early 60s, and by the way, I don't see any vineyard churches or any churches whatsoever doing the works that Christ did, legitimate works, then that can't be the reason. Do you understand? If we limit this to and say, well, this replies to miracles, then every single Christian should be doing greater. That's not what it means. That all of us would be doing super-de-duper miracles every, all the time. That can't be what it means. It's a spiritual import. I believe in the cessation of the sign gifts of the early church. Cessation means the stopping. Why did the sign gifts stop? Because Israel knew then that the, that the, the church was the new vehicle God was going to use, and there was no more need because now we're going to have God's word. And that's what God's going to use the Holy Spirit to teach us. So what is it? D.A. Carson says that, that the greater works are those done on the basis of Jesus' death, resurrection, and exaltation. The greater works point to the power of the gospel to transform lives as it spreads throughout the apostolic witness. 3,000 on the day of Pentecost, I think 2,000 later on were also saved. During an entire ministry, you find that they're, they're, they were serving and, and the Holy Spirit was using them. J.C. Ryle says this succinctly, there is no greater work possible than the conversion of a soul. No greater work possible than the conversion of a soul. That's why we have missionaries. That's why we send missionaries across the world. That's why you and I are to be on guard all the time, to be, uh, to be able to give an answer, a defense, 1 Peter 3.15, an apologia, a, a logical defense of the gospel. We need to be ready at a moment's time. Have the verses ready. Have, your, have a New Testament or something ready to go. Your phone out here. Right here it is. Here's what the Bible says. And by the way, I've told you once, I'll keep singing the same old tune. You need to have the Bible. That's what God has promised to have you memorized God's word or read God's word? That's what he's promised. My word shall not return void. Your words, I would say a lot of your words, my words yesterday are already void. Okay? I probably, uh, you know, whatever. There, there's, there is something, you have only allowed so many, I think there was a thing I saw, you only allowed so many words in your lifetime or something like that. And I think I'm already past mine. Uh, <laughs> you're saying hallelujah. He will finally cl- close up. As, as the Lord uses uh, the good news of Christ's death and resurrection, we are sharing in the work, sharing in the ministry. What a privilege. Our works collectively are greater than, think about now, Christ was limited in the geographic location. Just yesterday we heard a cross in Africa of people who heard the gospel. We heard, hopefully, on our own county here, this, today, this morning, people are going to hear the gospel across the world in, in the Philippines, across the world in India. Across the world here, they're going to hear the gospel. Far outstripping, if you would, the localization of what Christ did. By the way, I am no means diminishing what Christ did at all. I'm just trying to help you understand the greater works. And we pray and we go. And there are times when God's spirit pours out in an unusual way. And we call those things revival. 
They had revival for this. Christians have gotten revival. Oh, do we not need revival in America? We need repentance. We need a return to uh, understanding and obeying the word of God, whether you even believe it or not. You're at least willing, well, this is the principle that works. We need to return to that if it's possible. We need revival. But sometimes people are praying, and sometimes people are agonizing in prayer, and they're witnessing faithfully, but sometimes that revival doesn't happen. God works. It must be Him. So our effective practice and then our efficacious prayer in 14. Whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Oh, that's the verse we've been waiting for. If you ask anything in my name, I will, Pastor. There we go. There's our little, when we're going to stop and park on that one. It's sort of like, well, I want a car. In Jesus' name, I want a car. I, I want to be tall. I want to be seven foot three and play in the NBA. In Jesus' name, I pray that. And you think that sounds foolish, and it is kind of disrespectful even to say it that way, but people believe that, and they're taught by money-grabbing TV or non-TV evangelists. Listen, you got a hold of it, but it didn't happen. Well, you didn't have enough faith. Your faith was too small. i tell you, Paul had the best faith you want to see in the world, and yet he, God did not remove his affliction, his thorn in the flesh. Oh, Paul didn't have enough faith. Baloney on that. What does the Bible say? We, need, we have a dearth of what the Bible actually says in Christian world today. What does the Bible say? Not what you think or even necessarily what your pastor says. By the way, that's why you have your Bibles open. So that you're checking on me all the time, every service. You are looking to see. What does the pastor say? By the way, if we just read the scripture as a message... You see, preaching is expanding upon biblically sound the Word of God. If a pastor just preached the read, read the text, I would preach that and say, Amen, let's go home. But the message is when you take God's Word, and I am hopefully helping us all to understand God's Word, the central part is always and ever will be God's infallible Word. But the message is, well, here's help you to understand. It's like instruction manual. So I was, we putting that together a Friday night. A funny story for some, putting that together Friday night. And I had to get the instruction manual out. And, and we had, I even had Stephanie help me read instructions. She helped me figure out one problem out. I have to say, she really was a big help in some things. And she helped me figure that out. So I'm trying to, and as you under, that's what the message is. God's word is central. I'm trying to help expand about upon that so we can understand and then take it home and use it. Most prayers today, I have to say, a lot of them are, are, are self-glorification. Lord, make me smart or healthy or wise or attractive or tall or have a hairy chest or something like that. Our prayers are about our... What's our prayers about? His business, His reputation, His honor, His dignity. Lord, may you be glorified. May the Father be glorified through the Son and I be a part of that, Lord, if you'd be willing. But glory, all glory needs to go to Him. That's one reason why I'm not boohooing it completely, but why we don't do a lot of applauding in our church. When a person sings, I want you to know the ladies this morning, their purpose is to praise the Lord. They're not up there to, to show off. No one's at our choir, and, and there's no one we're not doing that. We're not here for that. I'm not boohooing all applause. I'm just saying it helps me in my mind's eye. Because I take, I play something on the piano, and you start, <laughs> okay, I did that pretty good, didn't I? 
Do you see how quickly that comes in? I would first, I would really, I'll tell you, I missed this, this, and this. You did not hear that. You don't even know how many places I've been wrong. That's what I'm telling you, the truth. But, do you see, the glory goes to God. My tribute, the songwriter, to God be the glory, great things he has done. If you can weather a storm, if you can survive a terrible illness, give him the glory on the other side. One, one, I like this. One commentator argues that instead of using prayer as a wartime walkie-talkie to get call-in supplies for the battle, we have turned it into an intercom to ask for more comforts in the den. Uh, Lord, could you please send this? Yes. Uh, Lord, could you please do this? Yes, I need this. Oh, Lord, I, I, Lord, could you do this too? Do you see the difference? Lord, I'm in need. Lord, please, I'm in need. Please come and help. We, have a, we, have, we need your power. I cannot do this alone. Please answer. Lord, please provide the answer. For, that's the walkie-talkie. By the way, we are in a battle. I like that. Walkie-talkie in the middle of battle. Please help me, Lord. Rather, prayer is a means by which we ask God to extend his kingdom and to do his will on earth. Does not the model prayer say, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Whenever you recite the model prayer, not the Lord's prayer, it's the model prayer. Lord's prayer we'll find in John 17 some months down the road. Lord, will your will be done on earth? There's a place to ask God to meet needs. By the way, I asked God to meet needs. Uh, some of you, even this morning, I've asked God to meet some of your needs you're going through right now. Lord, do your work through your people. Bring sinners to genuine conversion. Sanctify your people so that we will be faithful representatives of Jesus on earth. When's the last time we prayed that? Pastor, you? And the, the health and wealth preachers say, well, if, Lord, just pray for a mansion, pray for our new car, pray for all these things, Lord, heal me from this. And then when you don't have it, well, you didn't have enough faith. You didn't have enough faith, sorry. Oh, that's, that's so degrading, so non-biblical, so discouraging, so depressing, so false. Prayer, prayer must be in the name of Jesus, but must be in accord with the Lord's changeless purpose to bring glory to the Father. That's what we're praying for. Study the Lord's prayers. What did, what did the Lord pray for? Whatsoever you ask in my name, that will I do. The Father may be glorified in the Son. Now you're going to get down. Lord, I pray that people will start coming to church. And we see people saved. I pray that for our church. That we would grow. That our, our people have a spirit of unity together and work together. And we would be a good representative in our neighborhood here. And we would see people come to know the Lord. That's my prayer. Whatever you ask. Whatever you ask. One pastor said this, and I thought it was quite thought-provoking. He said, some people will ask me to pray for someone who's in the hospital. And I ask what should I pray for? And the person, like, so I can already even dumbfounded, well, of course, pray that they'll be healed, without saying it. He says, but healing may not be God's way of being glorified. What does God want to do in this person's heart? Maybe the sickness is to teach the person the brevity of life so that they will live in light of eternity. God may be glorified by teaching the sick person to trust him through bodily weakness. He may be glorified through the person's joy in Christ as he goes home to glory. Our aim in prayer should be that the Father would be glorified in the Son. The first thing you find out when someone's ill, pray that they get better. Pray that they will be healed according to God's plan. I can tell you my mother, for the last several, several months, she wanted to be healed, but not physically here on earth and finally God answered her prayer 
the, the terms of the Christian life and the terms of Christian love. Verse 15, as we close, if you love me, keep my commandments. I love you, mother, said little John. Then forgetting his work, he put his cap on and he was off to the garden swing, leaving his mother the wood to bring in. I love you, mother, said little Nell. I love you better than tongue can tell. Then she teased and pouted half the day till mother rejoiced when she went her way. I love you, mother, said little Fran. Today I'll help you all I can. To the cradle then she did softly creep and rock the baby till it fell asleep. Then stepping softly, she took the broom and swept the floor and dusted the room. Busy and happy all the day was she, helpful and cheerful as she could be. I love you, mother, came again, they said, three little children going to bed. How do you think that mother guessed which of them loved her really best? I'm thinking Fran, thinking Fran. If you love me, keep my commandments. Love makes obedience easy. Look at those who are madly in love with one another. They will do anything the other one wants, at least for uh, a couple months. And they'll they'll do whatever. Oh, I'm just so in love with that person. So in love with that person. Are you really? Story, true story is told of a businessman who picked up a hitchhiker on the way to Chicago one day, the hitchhiker was a Christian. He shared the gospel with the businessman, and they were in the car for several hours together. And before he, he, he dropped the man, the hitchhiker off, he bowed his head and received Christ as personal Savior. He gave him his little business card and said, when you get, when you get to, to Chicago, look me up. So several years later, the hitchhiker was in Chicago, and he stopped by the man's office and went inside, and he handed the card to a woman at the desk. And she froze. Where did you get this card? The man's told the story about how he was a hitchhiker and this businessman had picked him up and he'd received Christ as personal savior and gave him the card and said, come visit me. And the woman broke down in tears. She said, that was my husband. I prayed for years that he would come to know Christ, but he never made it home from that very trip. He was killed in an accident after he dropped you off. I have been bitter at God all these years because I thought that he had not answered my prayer. All stories don't end that good way, if you would. But the point is this. We don't have all the knowledge about how God may be working in response to our prayers. So we are to be active doing Jesus' work. Pray that he would do, do far more exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or thanks. But if things do not go exactly as you have prayed, trust him that if not in this life, he will at least in eternity, you will understand how he answered and used you to do even greater works than he did. He knows better than I. And he knows better than you. And if your prayers are not answered just like you want them to be, he knows better. But we are to be about his business. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the truth that I can stand back, step back and say, Lord, you know better than I. You're the God of eternity. You are the omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent one who knows all. And you live outside the time that we are sequestered in, if you would. And you see everything in from the beginning. May we trust you. Lord, our responsibility is to pray, to be right with you ourselves, to share what your love with other people and to pray that your will will be done. And Lord, if it doesn't happen exactly like we prayed, perhaps we should just, you know, whoa, God knows better. We should humble ourselves. May we be people of humility. 
if ye love me, then we will keep his commandments. Lord, may we be about your work this week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.